0: How does one get humble? 100% of this is practice and 100% of this is the transformative work of the Spirit of Jesus. This isn't about thinking less of ourselves, neither is it about thinking more of ourselves, it is about thinking rightly of ourselves. How many of you know what this is? Anybody want to? A toy? Some of you do. A toy? No? Good guess, though. Almost looks like salt and pepper. This is from a restaurant in our town. Rodizio Grill. That's right. Ryan and Christine, who own that grill, said I could use this when I asked them, and I appreciate them letting me use it. Because if you've ever been to that grill, you know that this, this is on every table. And when you put it like this on the table, it means bring me food. I'm not kidding. How many of you have been there? You know what I'm talking about. Bring And they do. And they bring these skewers of all this meat, and they start cutting this meat and putting it on your table. When you get full and you're just, you just can't eat anymore, you turn it to red, which means do not come back to my table. I'm full. I need to drink some water, pack it down. Then I'll be good to go. Let's go. So then, so then they bring it back, and they start cutting you more food. I'm not kidding. And you can do that all day long. And then they have little cots you can sleep in and catch a nap. Come, no, they don't have that. I'm kidding on that. Well, what I, what I want to talk about today is honestly about what makes us say more to God. What, what is it in us that when we can honestly say, I am hungry for God. I want Him. I want Him to be the Lord of my life. I want Him to fill my mind. I want to be thinking about kingdom. I, I get stuck in thinking about good old number one. I want this when it comes to God. Then there's other times when we're living like this now for me that's not intentional I don't mean to turn it to red I would never willfully say no more of you God but sometimes my calendar gets in the way sometimes I'm racing back and forth to this and that and meetings and this and that and if if the Holy Spirit tried to knock on my heart I'm afraid they would see a red because I just don't have time for a diversion today Lord oh but I love you I really want you all of you but just not right now. In this moment, I'm a little busy. <laughs> and we live our lives in this way. Today, I want to really talk about what it means to say yes to God all the times we can, and to understand the times that we might be saying it's on red, and we don't even know it. It could be our spirit, it could be our schedule, it could be our stress level, it could be our marriage. If you're married, it could be your singleness. Things that consume you. What is it? Those things can take us away. I, I want us to talk about all that. Now, let me set this up before we jump into Luke chapter 24, if you have a Bible. This passage, very important. Jesus has already died on the cross with what we're about to read. He's already risen from the dead. So he has died. He's laid down his life. He's risen from the dead. He's appeared to the boys on the Emmaus Road, remember a couple of weeks ago? And he's making himself known after he has been resurrected from the dead. This will be the last stop he makes before he ascends into heaven. So the first thing that I want you to write down is this. Surprised by Jesus. Surprised by Jesus. Sometimes the Lord does surprise us. But in this case, it's a big surprise because they've seen him die. I've seen people die, but I've never seen them come back to life again. So it's a little tricky. Luke 24, verse 36, it says this. Just as they were telling about it, this was some of the disciples who were telling them they'd seen Jesus, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. It's believed that they had just finished dinner, and Jesus doesn't knock on the door. He just appears. So I don't know how he got in, but he got in, and he's standing there. They were... And I love this. He says, "Peace be to you." And they're freaked out. You know, they've got they've got a surprise here. But the whole group was startled. They were frightened. They were thinking they were seeing a ghost. Well, of course they were. They didn't know what to expect. They had never experienced anything like this before. So here's the question that I want to pose: um, Is Jesus always present with us? When we're sleeping, is He there? when we're angry is he there when we're uh in an argument is he there we hope not but yeah he is there he's there he's always there jesus is always present (laughs) matter of fact it's so funny because i was given pastor john mel he's our campus pastor in windsor and i noticed he has one of the timberline cross uh symbols you know how those white the white timberline cross he had it on his truck and he's got this this truck that has a middle back window and he has it right in the middle of his window. And I said, that's that's cool with that cross on your window. But, you know, you know you better drive well because that there's pressure when you've got that. You represent all of us. And he said, oh, no, that's why I put it on that window because that window rolls down automatically. <laughs> so he can be going along and have a have a problem and just hit the window and Jesus goes away. <laughs> Jesus comes back. Jesus goes away. Now, that's the way to have it in your life. That's the best of both worlds right there, right? You hit the button and Jesus disappears. I have news for you. Jesus never disappears. He is always there. He is always with us. I was taught, I remember as a teenager, uh, I was like 14 or 15 years old. And we had this talk on dating and sexuality and all this. And, and they taught us, Jesus is sitting on the dashboard of your car. Staring at you. So, man, I grew up driving like, okay, get in the glove box. get you know. And sometimes you don't want Jesus to see what's going on. But I just have this, uh, this thing stuck in me that Jesus is always there. And I'm glad for that now. But number two in your outline, does Jesus understand our doubt? Doubt is real. And we need to navigate what we're going to do when we have doubt. So I want to help us a little bit. Hopefully this will help us. Verse 38. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? You know, it just seems to me that Jesus would kind of know. Well, we thought you were dead. But he, he says, why is your heart filled with doubt? Look at my hands. Look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. And then he goes touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost because ghosts don't have bodies, as you see that I do. He literally, he's like putting his hands out saying, come on, touch me. I'm real. I'm not a ghost. And he wants them to be familiar in this moment that he is not a ghost. He is really, really there. When I think about the times that I've had doubt in my life, um, they're very real. And I think it's important for us as Most of us probably in here are believers. If you're not, this is good for you to hear us talk about it. Because it's imperative that we deal with doubt in the right way. We're we're not in heaven yet. We don't have all the facts yet. We don't understand everything now. I've been in the room when someone dies. I've been in the room when they pull the plug on a loved one. And they slip into eternity. And I've seen young people, I've seen teenagers shaking their heads saying, Where is God now? I've seen the bitter pain of loss and tragedy. I've walked with couples and families who still don't understand the plan of God. Our family, my four sisters and me, we went through that with my dad dying of cancer when I was 14 years old. We had like 18, 16, 14, 12, and 9 or 8. And and it was baffling that God would let my dad die because he was a great man of God. And he loved us. He was a great father. and And you wonder, you know, I could have, in that, at 14, I honestly thought of some people who God should have taken you ever been there why didn't god take that guy because man he's bad news but not my dad but i can honestly tell you my doubts were real is god really there does he really care but now at this stage of my life now that i'm 41 i i have like i have a different perspective now now i look back at that moment in my life, and I realize there are so many sequential things that have happened that have allowed me to become the person I am. Do, am I happy that happened? No. But my doubts have been answered because I've seen the hand of God in my life. So what happens when you have doubt? Let me give you a couple thoughts. This is just in my notes, not yours. But, but what happens when doubt invades you? The first thing I would say is explore your doubt. Explore it. Just say to yourself, I'm doubting. And I'm not afraid to. Don't deny it. Oh, I'm, I'm not doubting. 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 You don't have to convince yourself of that. You can say, I have doubts. And I don't even know where they're coming from, maybe, but I have doubts right now. And you don't have to feel guilty about doubting. We are in this human body of flesh and blood, and we have doubts. Just turn your neighbor and say, Are you human? They are. They're human. You're going to have doubt so explore your doubt secondly examine the basis of your doubt this is this is just what i do i go what why am i doubting well it's because i see this mountain in front of me that's bigger than what i think god is i don't see how god can do this i don't think he can make a way he didn't answer my prayer last time what's the basis of my doubt and then i put look back in time when you've had doubts how has god come through then history tells a lot about the potential of our future right and when you walk with god long enough you're going to see he has ways that are not yours he doesn't take your checklist and say yes ma'am yes sir i'll get right on this he is god and we align our lives with him and his plan even when we don't understand it the fourth thing i do is tell the lord how i feel this is why i'm frustrated this is why i'm doubting the last thing I do is I talk to a trusted believer. Because when you open your life up and you talk to someone who you believe in, Lucas has helped me a lot. Foth has helped me a lot. In times when I'm doubting, when I'm troubled, my wife's my best confidant to say, Bonnie, I don't know why I'm feeling this way. But it's imperative that we have people that we can talk to in this arena. Let me move on. Number three, in your outline there, can there be three things? Disbelief, joy, and wonder. Can all of these exist at the same time? Disbelief, joy, and wonder. (laughs) Because those, those don't seem like they should be in the same list, really, do they? But let's read it, because they are. Number 40, verse 40. As Jesus spoke, he showed them his hands and his feet. Still, they stood there in disbelief. Filled with joy and wonder. So, let's talk about these words and the significance of them. First of all, disbelief is pretty easy to understand. He was dead. Now he's alive. I'm not sure what I'm seeing is actually true. Am I seeing things? Do you see that, Peter? Do you see that, John? Okay, this is real. I've touched him, but I still have this disbelief. Why? Because this is impossible. This is impossible. This can't happen. At the same time, there's this deep breath of joy. Why? Because I believe in the Lord. I've been following him for three years. And then there's the wonder. The wonder that here he is before me when I saw him die. So all these are spiritual components that are well up inside of their hearts. And they're just intrigued by this whole moment. Mesmerized would be a good word for this passage. They were mesmerized by this moment. Capturing, seeing, trying to believe. The wonder is the mystery of all. It's like watching a miracle right in front of their eyes. Then Jesus begins to say the words that really show us where we are in time with the gospel. And that's in number four the message of the gospel. The the word gospel simply means good news. It's the good news of Jesus coming to this earth, laying down his life, and he's going to tell them what happened. But before he does, there is something, I think, I know I find humor where no one else does. I get that, but this is funny, so please laugh when I say it. Then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? (laughs) What? What is up with that? I mean, here he is saying, yeah, I'm real. I'm not a ghost. They're mesmerized. They're full of joy. He's like, got milk? You know, I mean, it's just, it's just so out of the box. He says, do you have anything to eat? And that's what he says. And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, probably because they had just eaten and they were probably at the table. And he ate it as they watched. And this was also because he wanted them to see, he wasn't a ghost, the theologians say, he wanted them to see him intake food so that they knew it was really, really real. Then he said, when I was with you before I told you that evening, that everything written about me in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then look at this, he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures and he said, yes. It was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of His name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. I'm going to say that line again. Now just whisper it with me. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. I believe that this is the moment that Jesus wants them to be captured more than any other moment. You know what he's doing? He's saying, I've come here today to show you that I'm real. Touch me and know. Watch me eat something. Okay, we good on that? Now here's what's really important. You don't have to live in the guilt of your own sin another day. Because the Messiah all the prophecies, it's all been fulfilled. I am He. Wow. That is, you guys, it's probably even bigger for us than it is for them because they were living in that moment, in that realm. But for us now today, I've got to just say, I don't think we fully understand the power of what it means to know we can live forgiven. 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 When we repent of our sins, we can get that guilt and that shame out of us. But many people have a hard time believing that. There are many people in our culture today, I'll take a step here, I believe that one of the greatest causes of personal discouragement, depression, sorrow and grief, and especially shame, comes from the reality that people cannot grasp That their sins really, really are forgiven. And Satan is a master at it. He puts that wet shame blanket over you and he cuddles you down and he locks it at the bottom and you smell the mildew and you stink and the, the, the stench of that under you and you constantly remind Satan pounds you. This is what you did. This is who you are. You have a new label. You can't make it. You can't do it. You'll never amount to anything. And he just keeps hitting you with that hammer and hitting you with that hammer. And it's time. For some of you, not all of you because you're there, but some of you, today is the day when you need to look at this and say, I believe the Word of God. Jesus says, I am forgiven. And I am forgiven. And I am free of that sin. You do not have to live in the shame blanket of your past. When you repent and turn from your sin, you walk in that freedom. And you don't let that come back into your life. The Bible says all have sinned. It's true. That's what scars us. But greater is He that is in us. That's the reality. I want you to believe it. It's our hope. It's our future. It sets a different destiny for you when you believe that. That's why Jesus says, touch me. No, what I'm about to say, it matters most of everything. Your sins are really forgiven. Number five. Why has the Holy Spirit come to us? What Jesus is about to do next is he's, he's about to ascend into heaven and leave for good. He's going to go to the right hand of the Father, the Bible says. And what's he doing at the right hand of the Father right now? Anybody know? He's interceding, is the Bible word, praying for you and me. Okay? The believers on the earth. This is where all that's about to happen. Now, here's what he says in verse 49. And now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. Stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. What's about to happen is they gather in what is called the upper room in Jerusalem. This is in Acts chapter 2. Remember that? And on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit fully comes. And they see these tongues like fire. They speak in tongues. They have this empowerment come upon them. 3,000 people come to faith. And then 5,000 people come to faith. Peter stands and with boldness proclaims the gospel. Suddenly, Jesus is leaving, but the Spirit of God empowers the believers to do the work of God. That's why the Bible says, walk in the Spirit. It says, live in the Spirit. It says, be led by the Spirit. There's all these ideas of understanding there is a power that goes beyond flesh and blood living. Now you're good, but you're not that good. You cannot do what the spirit can do in you. I, uh, I, I grew up over on the West Slope, at Grand Junction and, and, uh, graduated from Grand Junction high school. And we were, we were called the tigers. And I had this big orange and black truck that we called the tiger tamer. And, uh, And it was so fun. I had these big tires on it and this big roll bar. And that was in the day of CB radios with the big whip antenna. Anybody know? And my handle was Tiger Tamer. And, man, I could even put the draw on and say, come on, 10-4, good buddy. (laughs) The reason they tell you, we'd be rolling down the road. See you up there, T-A. Man, I miss those days. One of the things I loved, though, was going up like the Glade Park or the Uncompadre and going through the mud holes. Anybody else like to run through mud holes? It's stupid, but it's really fun because we had some competition like who could get through this mud hole. And some of them were really, really bad, but I was never afraid to, afraid to try any of them. You know why? I had a secret weapon. You know what it was? A winch. And you could go into any mud hole and you could get stuck for hours and you couldn't work your way out. But then you just get out and you hook the winch onto a big tree and you push a button and you say, bye bye, mud hole, because the winch pulls you out. See, that is a perfect illustration of what happens when I come to the end of my strength. I don't have this faith. to. I can't raise this child. I can't work this job. I can't get along with this neighbor. I just can't do it. Okay, push the button. Go to God. Trust the Spirit. Be empowered and let Him give you the faith. Let Him give you the grace. Let Him empower you to such a level that you suddenly rise up as a new woman, a new man, and you have all that you need to make it through that moment. That's what God does. That's what God does. That's what the Holy Spirit is on this earth for. Trust that. Live for that. Believe God for that. Man, I've got to hurry up. Am I on the last point? Yeah, I am. I'm doing all right. (laughs) Jesus ascends into heaven. He says goodbye. All of his work on the earth physically is over. And. He's going to either, like, float away. Like, I've seen those paintings as a kid. Have you seen those where he's got this robe? And it kind of, like, floats up into the air. And it could be that that's what he does, because the Bible and several other passages actually say they saw him going up into heaven until he disappeared. So, verse 50. Jesus leads them to Bethany. He lifts up his hands to heaven, and he blessed them. I want to say those three words again. He Blessed them. While he was blessing them. Please note that. While he was blessing them. He left them. And was taken up into heaven. So they worshipped him. They returned to Jerusalem filled with great joy. They spent all their time in the temple praising God. Jesus ascends into heaven. And the disciples are rejoicing and praising God for the experience That they have had but the power of this is in the fact that as he's leaving he doesn't point his finger at him and say you boys get this right he doesn't say there's consequences if you blow this he blesses them I bless you on this earth what is the aroma you leave in the room when you walk out the door what do you leave behind When you tuck your kids in at night? What do you leave behind when you kiss that special person goodbye in the day? How do you say goodbye to your co-workers? How do they view you? How are you blessing others as you go through life day by day by day? I think it might be something that we can work on. When I walk out, I want people to feel my blessing and my honor and my respect jesus literally left the earth blessing his disciples wow that's a takeaway that's a takeaway okay i'm done um let's take a couple minutes and say at the table what are some takeaways about this whole series i've learned a lot i feel like um I've had some of you send me some crazy emails about certain foods that I'm thankful I have never tried. (laughs) But I have learned that being at the table with someone is valuable. Have you learned that? Why did Jesus have so many great conversations at the table? Let's learn from that. Maybe we need to keep cooking out and taking people out for breakfast and having dialogue. I've also learned that um, we can make mealtime count. Those of you raising kids, man, let it be special conversation. Ask the questions. How was your day? What's the best? Get your family involved around the table. Another thing I've learned is that sharing food can really lead to friendship. When you offer a piece of bread, have you ever been to a restaurant with someone and and what they ordered you really wanted? And you took a chance and you're so mad, so you just want one bite, but you know risking taking it would get your hand ripped off? Maybe sharing that food is valuable. It can lead to friendship. The last thing I put as a takeaway is just sharing a meal is more about the people than it is the food. More about people than it is the food. Let's be people who will say, I want more of God and I want more of the family of God. How are you going to live? I sometimes live like this. And this, this tries to pop up because I'm working at it. And sometimes I know I fall into this. And I don't think we can always live like this, but I know we shouldn't always live like this. Do you want all of God? Do you want him in the morning and the evening? Do you want him in the conflicts? Do you want him in those times? Then let's live on green and let's invite him into our life. Every moment of our life. Would you pray with me? what a story Lord you show up at supper you eat some broiled fish with your disciples you talk to them about what's happened and the good news the gospel has come to this earth thank you thank you for being a God who cares about the little things in our lives even what we eat thank you for being at the table with us in our lives day by day Night by night, moment by moment, we choose you today. we want to live with you and for you and for your purposes, with heads bowed in here, if you just feel like you're at a distance from God, and you maybe you don't even know why, maybe you love God, but you just feel like man i'm i'm just I'm just at a distance i just i don't know where he went, and maybe it's a doubting season, maybe it's just a cold season, and you don't know, but today you' like. to just pray over you and your spirit man to to warm up to the things that the spirit wants you to know today if that's you would you just be brave enough to lift a hand to god and say yeah that's kind of how i'm at it's where i'm living right now you can put them right back down god bless you lord we pray for so many who were quick to raise a hand because it's so true and you're here today your spirit is here today and yet Sometimes we feel distance from You and Your Spirit. And so I ask in this moment that You would warm up to us, that You would prepare our hearts, that You would show us the distractions in our mind and how filled up we are with other things. Show us how to turn those things away and to create space for Your Spirit to actually breathe in us and live in us and move in us. Because we know You are with us. You are forever present with us. We know that. And we trust You. Secondly, how many of you would say, I'm a little lonely. I need to cultivate some deeper friendships. And I'm not sure how to do that, but would you pray for me? That's good. God bless you. Lord, we know that you're close to us, but sometimes we do need people with skin. That's why you said, touch me and know that I'm really here among you. Sometimes we need friends that it's more than a prayer. It's more than spirit. It's flesh and blood that we can talk to We can open our lives to and share with. So I just pray that you would be the provider. That we would look for opportunities for these real things tomorrow, this afternoon, on Tuesday. Where we can say, maybe God's putting this person in my life. Maybe I need to be someone that goes into their life. We trust you. Lord, I pray for all of us that struggle with doubt. It's everyone in this room. In seasons, when those doubts come full, that we would know we are forgiven and cleansed, and that we would know you love us. We are your highest creation. Thank you for being our God and for empowering us with your Spirit. We are truly grateful. We give you the glory. Lord, if there's someone separated from you today, listen, if you're separated from God, if you know that you haven't confessed that sin, just do it now. Lord, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. I trust that You are God. I trust, Lord, You laid down Your life and You are on that cross for my sin. And I give You my life right now. And I accept forgiveness. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things. Amen.